If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. I had my key assistant quit out of nowhere. She just said, look, I don't think I'm a good fit for this job. I'm giving my notice. When I managed to get her on the phone to have a conversation, we found three specific things that weren't working for her and all three of them were fixable. She didn't know. She didn't know she could actually speak up, have a conversation about it, and maybe we work something out together. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jason Campbell and I wanted to take a moment to announce something I've been wanting to do for a long time, which is actually get a chance to interact with the listeners of Superhumans at Work. If you're enjoying the concepts, enjoying the show and wanting to have a bit more interaction, I actually am setting up a live call, which is happening on June 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific time, where you'll get to ask your questions. I'll be there live to interact with you, answer those, bring some new insights from the top episodes we've featured on the show so far. See, when you run podcasts, I get to interview amazing guests, yet it's a one-way conversation. And so I've always wanted to bring a live component where I get to interact with you. And we're going to be kicking it off on this Tuesday on the 30th of June. And so if you want to register, you can actually find a link in the show notes. And so this would be a good time to pause the episode, save your seat right now so you can grab one of the limited spots that will be available for this first time and enjoy the rest of the episode once you're done. I'll see you there. Hey everybody, this is Jason Gamble. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Now the guest that I have today is gonna talk to us about something really important when it comes to making sure you are functioning as a team, especially if you're a leader within your organization. One of the things you might not be having as often as you should are tough conversations. These are very important to allow you and your team to actually grow and thrive and ensure that everyone knows what's happening. Everyone actually is not feeling any anxiety, any resentment. And we're going to dig a lot more about what these means and why they're important. And the guest that I've brought is David Wood, who is the CEO of Play For Real. This man has consulted companies such as Sony Music, Procter & Gamble, and Exxon, and other Fortune 100 companies. 
Now, he is one of the top life coaches in the world. And what he's done is actually have a lot of these tough conversations by educating CEOs, prison inmates. And now you'll get to discover the same framework as well. David, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jason. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. Well, David, I'm, I'm really curious. We talk about tough conversations. I was so fascinated with the fact that you talk about having these conversations with CEOs, prison inmates, as well as individuals. Why are tough conversations so important? And how did you find yourself having these discussions with people from CEOs to prison inmates in the process? Well, they're important because if we don't speak up about what's happening inside us, those things can fester. Now, I grew up in an Australian country town. I wasn't taught to share my feelings. I didn't know I had feelings for the longest time. I wasn't taught to ask for what I really want. And I wasn't taught to share tolerations and frustrations and try and change things. So it's become a habit, I think, for most of us to just sweep a lot of things under the carpet, particularly if we don't have the skills, which most of us don't because we weren't taught how to do it. We'll just sweep things under the carpet. Don't rock the boat. Don't make waves because I might just make things worse. But I'm here to say that with a simple four-step process that I've refined and refined and refined until it's really very powerful and simple, your chances of having a positive conversation go up hugely. And you may find that in the end, it's actually not tough at all. The toughest part might be you doing the first step, which is clarifying the issue for yourself, working out why you're a bit annoyed about it, why is it tough for you, what's a great outcome. And once you get clear on that, it goes so much easier. And then your second question was, why is this important? Well, if I've got you on my team and you do something that really bugs me and I don't find a way to either let it go or clear the air with you, that's going to fester. And it's going to be in the way every time I interact with you, I'm probably not going to back you on the team. I might even start to gossip about you or complain, even if just my partner at home. I say, let's clear the air. Let's find an artful way to have these conversations so that we really be thriving. I just had a conversation with a colleague of mine. I was pretty upset by something that had happened. It would seem minor to anyone else, but I just felt really thrown by it. And had I not said anything, I'd, my subconscious would probably hold onto that for quite a bit of time. But we ended up having a phone call about it. She shared her side of it. I shared my side. We got to talk it out. Now I feel totally complete with her. Nothing left outstanding. And I want that for everybody. It's so interesting because I can recall times I have conversations, those hard, tough conversations with whether it was a manager or a colleague that I thought was underperforming. And I always have this memory that after we do it, it's actually better. But why do we still have so much resistance to having it if we've had evidence that the outcome usually ends up good? Yeah, well, two to three good reasons. One is fear of discomfort. We tend to be creatures of comfort. Like if my tea's not hot enough, that's a problem. I got to get up and take it to the microwave. And I don't want to be in front of someone and be vulnerable, expose my underbelly and not be able to control how the conversation's going to go. And that's what a tough conversation is. You generally can't control how it's going to go. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want them to be uncomfortable. So fear of discomfort is one reason. The second reason is fear of loss. There's something on the line 
or it wouldn't be tough. If I share that I screwed up at work, I might get in trouble in some way. I might even lose my job. If I confess to my partner that I broke an agreement, worst case, my partner might leave me and to maybe take the kids. There's often something at risk, even if it's just losing your standing in the other person's eyes. And the third reason I would say, which overlaps, is that we weren't taught how to have tough conversations. So if I just launch into it with you and I don't do it very well, if I don't follow the four steps in the case model, you might get defensive, you might not listen to me, you might start attacking me, and then the whole thing goes off the rails. So there are good reasons why people have been avoiding these tough conversations. Oh, I just thought of a fourth reason. People may not realize that this is an actual conversation they could have. I had my key assistant quit out of nowhere. She just said, look, I don't think I'm a good fit for this job. I'm giving my notice. When I managed to get her on the phone to have a conversation, we found three specific things that weren't working for her and all three of them were fixable. She didn't know. She didn't know she could actually speak up, have a conversation about it, and maybe we work something out together. I wish more people would be aware of this power. And I know we're going to go through the model that's going to share this. I wanted to go back to one more thing we mentioned at the beginning was the fact that you speak about how you have these types of trainings or you actually speak to both the spectrum of CEOs and prison inmates. What are you noticing in the way that they approach these tough conversations? And I would have the expectation that a CEO would be very trained to have a tough conversation. <laughs> You'd think so, wouldn't you? But look, I've been training for 20 years in tough conversations and I still find my edges all the time. And I hope people do keep finding their edges. I have conversations that seem too embarrassing for me to have or I just can't find a way in. I have to go and get coaching about it. Yeah, it is interesting coaching CEOs and vice presidents of companies and then also coaching prison inmates. And what I find, and also entrepreneurs, I find the similarities. I don't find the differences. I find that we're all human. We've all got feelings. We've all got things that we feel inclined to hide from other people. We don't want to say to someone, you know, I feel upset. It's like there's something wrong in our society by saying I feel upset. Probably because a lot of us, I feel upset is followed by, and this is your problem and you should fix it. That's basically the background to it. But simply naming feelings. Hey, I notice I've got some charge on this. You know, I'm having trouble concentrating at work. I'm even losing some sleep over it. Like it's really bothering me. And that's not a problem. I just want to talk it out with you, see if I can find some peace around it. Like, wouldn't the world be wonderful if we could just own our feelings, name our feelings, instead of trying to squish them down? I coached a prison inmate. I find the language is different in prison. A CEO is unlikely to have a board member say to her, step off, bitch. You know, that's probably not going to happen. But the energy can be the same someone calling you out, someone challenging you, someone saying, hey, I don't like how you did that. You screwed up. Same kind of thing in the prison system. So we get different language, but I find the principles are the same. We're human. We've got feelings. We've got desires. And I don't even like the label tough conversations. I use it. It's important because people can identify with it, but it's more for me about speaking your truth. What's the truth for you? Is there a desire that's unexpressed? Is there 
a frustration that's unexpressed? Are there some feelings that haven't been named? I want you to identify that for yourself, which is step one in the case model, clarify the issue for you. And then ideally go and follow the next three steps and share it with the other person. Maybe it's tough, maybe it's not. That's why I think it's a bit of a misnomer. But we're facing the edgy issues and communicating with other humans. Whether you're in prison or you're a CEO or you work from home mom or whatever it is, I want people to speak their truth 30% more than they currently do. Powerful. And just a recap for everybody listening here, we're talking about tough conversations. We've addressed the fact that there's so many reasons why we don't have it when it comes to the fear of loss, the lack of training or awareness of it even happening. And then also just the fact that there's so many conversations, there's so much busyness, yet we don't feel like we are allowed to express our truth. And now I'm excited that we're actually going to jump into the actual care model, the framework that gets you to have these tough conversations and realize that by the end of it, you're going to reach some of the outcomes that have been what you've been looking for the whole time, yet holding inside. And so, David, tell us more about this case model. And I know we've talked about clarify already. Let's go a little deeper and go through this so people have a tool they can walk away and apply in their next conversation. Yeah, you know what? I just got excited because... I've been calling this the case model, but you just called it the care model. And then you call it the case. And I'm, like, I'm like, care is so much better. And ah. I'm, al- I'm already, like right now on the fly, I'm changing it to care model. And I already know what the R stands for. So do you have an example in mind, Jason? I can make up one so that I can go through the steps and we can actually kind of demo it for people. What's a common tough conversation you might find in the workplace that's a little awkward to talk about? So I have a colleague I'm working with right now, and I just felt like they didn't take ownership of a project that I'm involved with. And for some reason, I was looking for some, at this point, I was trying to find answers about who was responsible for what piece of the project. And the person that was the project manager, when I asked them a specific question, they're like, oh yeah, you don't get that answer from me. You need to go ask that person because that one's not my part of them. And then I got kind of frustrated. I was like, you're supposed to be the project manager. If I come to you for answers, you're supposed to have them all. And it left a charge. All right. That happened okay. like yesterday. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great one. Can we use that as a demo? I think it'd be a great demo because I think oftentimes we do have those times where you have a different expectation from how a person's supposed to respond to you and feel like maybe I'm the problem. I was feeling entitled that they should help me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe they should. All right. So the model is we're going to use care. I like that even better. So the C-A-R-E stand for clarify the issue with yourself first. And there's a worksheet for that. We'll put that in the show notes. And then you ask permission with the person to have the conversation and you'll actually set up some context for it so that they, maybe they'll even be looking forward to it instead of freaking out. Like we need to talk. That's not how to do it. And then the R stands for reveal, reveal the issue. Here's what I'm feeling. This is what's going on for me. And It also stands for request. If you have a request, this is the place to make it. And then the E is so important. And I forget this all the time, Jason, inquire. You want to inquire into their world. How does it land for them that you're bringing this up? What's it like? Do they feel defensive, excited, inspired? And do they have a better idea than you did? This is the time where you shut up and you really listen because you don't want to create another tough conversation for them to have a week later. You want to hear how it is for them, work it out together. So let's use 
your example, I think it's a great one, clarify. So the worksheet will ask some questions and I'll ask you as if I was the worksheet. What's your hope out of having this conversation with this person? How could it go well? So I think by having that conversation, I feel like we'll be more clear on our rules and responsibilities and expectations when we work together on a project. Yeah, great. So clarity. And then what's possible for the relationship out of that between the two of you? More mutual respect and more accountability to each other's performance. With that would come the respect. Yeah, great. And what's fear or concern? How could it go wrong? So I feel like they could get offended by that. The fact that I expect that of them, I feel like they'll think I'm an asshole for expecting them to serve me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. We're going to have fun when we do the role play. But that's what I love about that is it's true for you, right? And it's something that anyone could relate to. And it's vulnerable to be able to share these things with someone else. So when we get to the ask, these will come in handy. And then What's a clear request you could make if you can find one? Don't dismiss my request by like referring me to go find the answer myself. Guide me whenever I have a question because it's because I genuinely don't know the process. This is a pretty fresh issue, but I think that's it. It's like, I don't like it when people are expecting me to dive into a new department and know all the processes. So when I asked, like, hey, what's going on with this? And the person's like, I'm not responsible for this. You need to go talk to that person. I go like, ah, oh, I keep going around in circles. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Guide me, make a phone call, maybe do a little bit of research, something like that. This is a tricky one, this make a request, because it's easy for me and a lot of people to tell you what's wrong and what I don't like. But when it comes to how could the person win with you, it's your job to come up with some guidance like guide them on how to win with you. So this is why the request I think is very important. Okay, great. So we've done the clarification part of it. Now, would you be willing to be your colleague and I'll be you and we'll do a quick role play in this? Sure thing. Let's give them a fake name. So what's a fake name for this person? John. All right, John. All right. So I'm going to be you and you just say whatever you think John would say. You can give me a hard time if you want. It's really fine. You get to see how someone else might follow this model. Now, I'll start with, I've done the clarification, so I'm going to start with the asking. And I want to tell our listeners, there's a great formula on the download that you'll get in the show notes. And the formula goes like this. I'll tell you before I do it with John. Formula is, so-and-so, there's something I haven't been saying. And I haven't been saying it because, and you insert your fear. But I've decided I want to bring it up with you because you insert your hope. Do you have a few minutes now? That's a simple formula to set it up. So let's do it. John, hey, there's something I haven't been saying because I'm concerned you might feel offended. You might think I'm an asshole. Like, oh, Jason's like, serve me, right? I didn't want to bring it up, but I decided to bring it up because I would like more clarity between our roles and mutual respect. And I'm thinking this conversation might do it. Do you have a few minutes now to talk about that? Yeah, sure. What's on your mind? All right. Thank you. Well, when I came to you the other day asking for help on this issue and you said, that's not my thing on our so-and-so, I felt uh, blown off in a way. And I was thinking, this is your project, you know, and I, and I realized I'd like more guidance. 
on it. Rather than just go fend for yourself, I would have liked you to maybe hold me by the hand a little bit, maybe make a phone call, go and Google something just a little bit more rather than not my area because it seemed like it was your area. So that'd be my request is what I'd ask going forward that if I do that or anyone else does that and it is your area that you take a bit more care and try and make more of an effort. Kind of like the people in hotels. If you ask them for something, the best hotels now, they won't point it out. They'll take you to it. They'll walk with you until you find the bathroom. And I want to stop now and just check, how is it for you to hear this? Is it weird? Are you offended? I'd love to hear anything you've got to say. Maybe I'm off base. What do you think, John? Well, I'm just so busy right now that I got thrown onto this project. And then you're asking questions. I don't even know the answers myself right now. So I had to just brush you off. I didn't mean to offend you or anything. I want to be helpful, but you need to know that that department is handled by someone else. And I'm just responsible for these things. And whenever you have questions about those, know that you can ask that person. But if it's anything related to these things, this is what I can help you with. Oh, okay. Well, that's really useful. So what I'm hearing is the thing that I was asking you about is actually not something you're accountable for. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Good to know. And also I'm having the same pains of trying to figure out what's going on because I've just been thrown in this project too. And this has changed ownership a few times. So I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. Right. Right. You kind of like just trying to keep head above water. Yes. It's been crazy times. Yeah. Got it. All right. Thank you. Well, I'm glad I brought it up and I feel more clarity now. If I do think something's your area, you're okay if I push a little bit and say, hey, hang on, I don't want to just keep on running around. Can we have a conversation about really whether it is your area? Sure thing. Just let me know next time and I'll I'll try to help you as well as I'm figuring this out too. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. Anything else you want to say? Anything lingering? I want to make sure things are really good between us. No, just, just make sure you understand me too. I'm, I'm also trying to figure this out. So just understand I'm doing my best and I'm overworked. I'm very tired and uh, I didn't mean to offend you or not serve you in any way. It's just that I also have to hold my own. And I think you are a pretty resourceful guy and you figure things out. So I knew that if I would put that stop, you would go around and find the answer from the right person immediately after. So yeah. that's why I just did it. It wasn't to offend you. Thank you. Makes sense. So let's pause the role play there. If we had a little more time and this was a real thing, I might want to talk a little bit about John's workload and what it's like to feel so overloaded right now and just have a bit of empathy and compassion, you know, feel connected because that seemed like it was a strong theme coming through for him. How is that for you, Jason? It was very interesting because I don't think the conversation will go anywhere else than what I felt. That's why when I embodied the John's persona, I was like, Uh, that's clearly what happened and i don't feel as much charge just by having role played it in my head i didn't even have a conversation with them but i feel like my charge is gone is that typical yeah so what's happened is by you stepping into his shoes i think you got some empathy you're like this is what's going on for him it wasn't personal guy wasn't trying to blow me off he's just trying to get his job done and that seemed the most efficient way to do it there's actually a line on the clarification worksheet on the download that i didn't cover with you for time that says What might this look like from their point of view if you step into their shoes for a moment? It's incredible how often I don't do that. I just, I've got my world, this is how it is, but that question can have me step out for a little bit and it's so useful because it can preempt any issues. 
So had you filled that in on the worksheet and then gone to John, you might have said, look, I'm guessing from your point of view, you're overworked, you're probably tired, you're trying to get stuff done, and you thought it was the most efficient way to get it done. That's my story. I'm still thinking in this particular area, I thought maybe this was your area and I felt a bit blown off. I just want to check in. You can preempt stuff with, a, with one question. What might it look like from their point of view? I love how simple it is. And I love also how it was very diffusing the moment you use that ask permission framework that you have in that sheet. The question came in not tough at all. It actually was very diffused as a question because you started with the fear. And so I think this is very powerful to train us to have these tough conversations, which at the end of the day, they weren't tough at all. <laughs> right. And I need this formula too, Jason, to be honest, because I'm pretty good ad lib. But if I miss some of this, the person might be on the defensive because I haven't been vulnerable. I haven't said, look, this is why this is tough for me. And if I don't share the hope, you can't expect people to assume positive intent. If you come to me and say, we need to talk, I think I'm in trouble. So let's create the positive intent. Most people going into a tough conversation, if they're like me, they haven't naturally created a hope or an intention. It's just, this is what's not working for me. Well, let's just create a possibility of how it could go well and then share that with a person and they might be on board like, oh, I want that. I want our relationship to be good. I want you to be able to sleep at night. I want us to be able to really trust each other, whatever it is. So yeah, simple, simple things, string them together. You can even print off this worksheet, fill it in and take it with you. When you talk to the person, it can be your partner, it can be your kid, it can be on Zoom. You can say, I wrote down some notes because I wanted to make sure I covered everything and I did a good job of this. I use an example where I was speaking to a colleague or someone of my level or a delegate of mine. Does it have any changes if I'm speaking to a superior that I'm trying to get them more aware of certain behaviors? I feel like there's a bit of a difference if there is a hierarchy because, look, if I'm someone's boss... I can kind of expect that they're going to come into my office when I want them to perhaps have a conversation. If I'm talking to my boss and I'm bringing it, I'm probably just going to set up a little more context. I'll be a little bit more deferential. So I think it might change the flavor of it, but it doesn't change the four steps. I've still got to clarify it for myself, ask permission to have the conversation. And this is something that some bosses miss. I coached a vice president who realized through the coaching that he would just assume that this was a good time for someone to talk to him because he was the boss. He'd come in and say, hey, I want to talk to you about whatever. After coaching with me, he'd go in and say, I want to talk to you about X. Is this a good time for you? And just show them that respect. Now, normally they'd say yes, but at least they're being asked permission to do it and then share the issue, make the request, and then ask them, how is it for you to hear this? This is a ninja question, Jason, that was missing from my communication until a year ago. How is it for you to hear this that I'm bringing it up? Do you feel defensive or, you know, like you want to justify or am I being a jerk right now? I really want to know. Let's talk about that. That's a whole new thing. Is there any problem with when somebody says, oh, I don't have 10 minutes right now? Does that delay the issue? Did people start avoiding wanting to confront you? Have you noticed anything like that? I don't think that in itself is a problem. It's great information because you could have launched into it and found out that this is a really bad time. They're under a deadline. They're trying to finish something. 
they're not really ready for you. So if someone says now's not a good time, I say, okay, thanks for telling me. When's better for you? Let's make a time. It's all these stories we make in our heads when actually you go through this framework, you're asking the right questions, the right answers come up, and it sounds like it clarifies a lot of the problems. It's a powerful framework people can use, and I love its simplicity as well. Yeah. I just coached someone. This was a personal matter for them. They didn't like how her husband was impatient with the kids, and she was frustrated by it, and she brought it up with him before, and she's like, how do I bring it up again? And we did a role play. As soon as I mentioned the topic... I could sense that he had some charge building in the role play. And so I just said, look, before I even say what I've got to say, I just want to check in. I'm going to jump to step four. How is it for you that I even bring it up? And he had a lot to say about it. And so I just switched gears and I listened, reflected. I'm like, okay, totally got it. Anything else before I share what I wanted to share? So this step four, it's a game changer. I'm a control freak. And I want to control everything. And step four is the antidote to that. How is it for you? What do you think? Mm, I love it. So David, once again, thank you so much for coming here and sharing this model. It's so powerful where it takes away the toughness out of any of these tough conversations. We're talking about a model that is the care model now, which is clarify, ask permission, request, and inquire. You realize that when you actually come in with these four steps, you don't just jump into a tough conversation, which could create awkwardness. Maybe the person's not ready. Maybe you haven't even taken the time with yourself to clarify what are the actual issues that are coming up for you. But when you follow these steps and then you have that preparedness when you step into that conversation, you realize that it will lead to less resentment, less friction, more trust and respect in the workplace, which means operations will flow better, you will be happier. And the fact is, the person you interact with will also have a better outcome following these conversations. It's not our fault because we haven't really been trained in the past and we're not even necessarily aware of the fact that these tough conversations is something that's a tool that we can use to empower ourselves. And so as you've learned this, make sure you apply this, grab the additional show notes, the download where you can actually go through the model practice. It's extremely powerful. And David, thank you so much for coming here and sharing this with everyone. My pleasure, Jason. Thank you. That was really fun. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.